Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking Newspaper, <clears throat> brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment Service for the Blind. We have the permission of the Worcester News and we're recording on Thursday the 27th of January 2022. And as this is our first recording, can we wish you all uh, a good year and hope it's better than the last two. <clears throat> Anyone who is unable to read a newspaper is included and I'm Elizabeth Hill and this week the team comprises Kate Hudman, Janet Goodwin, Sue Perry and our engineer this evening is Alex Gwynn as Paul Barry has had an accident and we do wish him well. Admin has been done by Carol Hartle and her team. Music is by Sheila Joins and the thought for the week from Keir Aldis. May I extend a very warm welcome to any new listeners. Not only is the recording available on the memory sticks, which are posted out to you weekly, but can be heard online as a podcast or via one of those new listening devices, such as Alexa. <clears throat> we hope you enjoy our offering, which we hope will inform, educate and entertain. The service is quite free to users. We are a registered charity. If, however, you would like to make a donation, it can be included in your wallet or sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. And I do thank um, anyone who has sent in donations recently. It's very much appreciated. We do like to hear from you, compliments or complaints. Put a note in your wallet or leave a message on the answer phone. 01905 So just a reminder, in addition to these weekly recordings, which began in 1978, we have an extensive library of talking books. So let us know um, what your interests are and pop your choice um, in, a, in a wallet, uh, one of the yellow wallets, or again, leave a message on the answer phone. Do be patient with messages on the phone, though. We're not here every day. And every couple of months, a magazine is produced, which contains a variety of subject matter. If you'd like to receive this, uh, please give us a ring. Same number, 01905 or put a note in your wallet. So I'm now going to ask Sue if she will give us the uh, useful telephone numbers, please. Thank you. So the first one is um, Worcester Talking News, and it's 01905 767 766. And then the Worcestershire Hub is 01905 765 765. Worcester County Council, here to help is 01905 768053 and ask for option 3. Unwanted telephone calls, BT, is 1572 and then follow the directions. Crime stoppers, and that's to report anonymously crime, 0800 Community Risk Team for Fire, 
0800-032-1155 and the Domestic Abuse Helpline is 0800-980-3331 NHS Direct is 111 Out of Hours GP Service, that's 6.30pm until 8am is 111 and you'll be redirected from there Worcester Live, the Swan Theatre and Huntingdon Hall is 01905 611 427. Malvern Festival Theatre is 01684 892 277. And the Norbury Theatre is 01905 770 157. Walking for Health led by Lynn Yendel, is 01905 766155 and Sense Adventures are 01684 891 796 or 07920 Thank you, Sue. Um, and... Uh, Kate is going to tell us what is on in the local theatres. After that, Sue will open the birthday book, make sure we have yours, and then Janet will read the headlines from the past week and sunrise and sunset times. And then we'll follow on with the stories. So thank you, Kate. What's on? Right. Um, Worcester Theatres, which is Huntington Hall um, and the Swan Theatre and the Henry Sandon Hall. That's the three combined. Um, we have uh, Blobby Williams. Um, uh, at, that's on uh, this Saturday, the 29th at 7.30. And that is at Huntington Hall. And that uh, is usually quite, well, very good. So if you're interested in, in you know, like Robbie Williams, then you'll like Blobby Williams, I think. Um, Kay's Pantomime just is just terminating now, but it's um it goes on until Sunday. Uh, and uh, uh, you can still go and see that. It's Little Red Riding Hood, and that's at the Swan Theatre. Then back to Huntingdon Hall on the 30th of January, if you prefer... Worcester Concert Club are doing Sean uh, Dicker and Crystal Tunnicliffe are singing there and that should be quite entertaining. It says they're full-blooded voices with dramatic flair. So I think that uh, would be quite interesting. One plays piano, one sings. Then um, we have a talk by Tim Barney, Mad, Bad and Dangerous, um, and that is at the Henry Sandon Hall, and that's on the 1st of February at 7.30pm. Uh, and Henry Sandon Hall, that is the um, down by where the Royal Porcelain was, so you find it down there. Uh, it isn't too difficult to find. It sounds as though it's out of the way, but it isn't, and parking isn't too bad. Um, then at uh, Huntingdon Hall, uh, Martin Joseph on the 3rd of February at 7.30pm. Um, he is a folk singer from way, way back and a wonderful voice still. Then at the Swan Theatre, Dead Good which is on um, on the 4th of February, 3rd and 4th, sorry. Um, and that's a play which looks, so that should be quite interesting. I'm not quite sure what that's about, but uh, it certainly looks as though it's, it's, a, it's fun, but uh, a bit spooky too. 
Um, then at Huntingdon Hall, we have the Blues Band Farewell Tour on the 4th of February at 7.30, which is always excellent uh, with Paul Jones, Tom McGuinness. Uh, so you may well have heard of them and uh, that, that is well worth going to. I can recommend that myself. Um, then uh, at the Swan Theatre on the 6th of February, Back to Bacharach. Uh, now, this is... Um, critically acclaimed back to Bacharach with their West End cast and the amazing musicianship of the Magic Moments Orchestra. So that sounds really, really good too. So if you're interested in that, that's it on the 6th. Then on the 5th, sing along with The Greatest Showman. This is at the Swan Theatre again. Uh, So music from The Greatest Showman and you can go and join in with all the songs and sing along with that. Um, and that's that uh, promises to be quite quite something. And then um, on the fifth of February at seven thirty, again at the Swan, sing along with Bohemian Rhapsody. So um, there you're going to have Queen um, uh, to sing along with as well. Well, not actually Queen, but uh, some people who who are um, representing Queen. Uh, and the uh, um, then oh, it goes on here. We have on the eighth and ninth of February. <clears throat> at 4.30pm and 10.30am for children, the Smeds and the Smooze. Now, this sounds quite... Uh, well, it looks so it's going to be quite a good, fun cartoon-type thing. And that's at the Swan. Then uh, on the 10th of February, the Adele songbook, Somebody Like You. So you can imagine what that would be like. That's obviously somebody who um, sings in the same way as Adele. So if all the Adele fans, I think there are very many, may well enjoy that. Um, and then again at the Swan... La Voix uh, is on on the uh, uh, where are we the eleventh of February at seven thirty. So that looks as though that's going to be. It says wear thick pants because you'll wet yourself laughing. I'm just reading what it says. I didn't I didn't say that, <laughs> but that sounds so. You know you're going to have a good evening of fun anyway there. Um, uh, I think perhaps we'll we'll go leave it there, and then uh, the rest of these these things which go on in, after the eleventh, uh, maybe those ones will be uh, read out uh, to you next week. Uh, well, good luck with that. Now the Swan Theatre, that's that is sorry that that's the Swan Theatre and, and Huntington Hall. Now the Malvern Theatre, uh, right? We have ah at the moment we have. Um, the, at uh, uh, Smallvin Theatre, this is um, same time next year. Bernard Slade's wonderful play, um, which is a, a genuinely funny and genuinely romantic uh, pr- performance, and that is on on the twenty sixth to the twenty ninth of January. So it, that's on currently, uh, and that might well be worth going to see. And uh, there are matinees as well for that on Thursday and Saturday. So today and on Saturday at two thirty, and the evening starts at seven thirty. Uh, there's um, the lip- lipstick on your collar, the fifties and sixties show, which sounds as though that would be a bit of a riot. Or it mentions Buddy Holly, Brenda Lee, Elvis Presley, Connie Francis, the Beatles, the Ronettes, Cliff Richard, Cilla Black, all those people that a lot of you will remember. And that sounds like a great deal of fun. And that's on the twenty ninth, this coming Saturday at seven forty five. And that's at Malvern. Then we have George Michael, a tribute to George Michael called Fast Love. And that's on the 4th of February at 7.45. 
Then on the 5th of February, uh, the Armenico Consort and Baroque Orchestra uh, with Rachel Podger and Christopher Monks. Uh, they're playing Scarletti, Bach and Vivaldi. Now, this that sounds just wonderful. Um, and uh, it has been reviewed by many newspapers with five stars. So that if you if you want classical music, then that is that sounds pretty good. That starts at 7.30 on the 5th. Uh, and then we have Grown Ups, spelt G-R-O-A-N, uh, and it's a funny farce. And this is on the 31st of January to the 5th of February uh, at the theatre. Uh, evenings are 7.30, matinees on Wednesday and on Saturday. So if uh, you're interested in, in that, that sounds as though that should be a, a bit of a riot. So good luck with that. Um, then on the 14th to the 19th of February, the play What I Wrote. This is a big comedy uh, about, uh, with well, talking about um, Morecambe and Wise and various other people as well. So I think this is this is another uh, bit of a riotous evening. Um, previous mystery guest stars have included Ralph Fiennes, uh, Ewan McGregor, Joanna Lumley, Daniel Radcliffe, Kylie Minogue. So I don't know what to expect with that one, but that sounds as though it might be worth worth thinking about. Uh, again, matinees on Wednesday and Saturday. So that's on uh, the, between the 14th and 19th. Then Pink Floyd experience. Uh, if you want something lively, that's on the, the on the 11th of February at 745 um, So that, again, speaks for itself. And then Solve Along a Murder She Wrote uh, with Jessica Fletcher on the 6th of February at 7pm. So there you are for you people who like detectives. Uh, and I think that'll that's uh, keeps you ahead of, of what's going on. So all the very best. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kate. Um, I can just add a little bit about The Dead Good. It's um, puppet the- it's masked theatre by Vamos Theatre and there isn't any dialogue. It is completely visual, um, but it is actually about two gentlemen who are uh, nearing the end of their life and um, the uh, adventures they they have um, whilst they are in that process. So, thank you for that. And, Sue, can you open the birthday book, please? Yes, um, we're very short of birthdays um, this week. Um, there's only one that I know of, um, and her name is Joan Johnson, and her birthday was on the four is on the fourth of February. So happy birthday to anybody that we have missed, and um, hopefully there'll be a few more next time. Happy birthday, anyway. <laughs> okay, Janet, if you'd like to read the headlines, headlines. for us and rise and sunset, please. Thank you. Okay, there are five headlines. The first one is butchers closed down owing to 1.6 million debt. Then second one is no guarantee. I don't know what that's about. Driver spat on women in parking row. And number four is find my son's ashes. Number five is red light city. And then number six that's just been added, robbed at a cash machine. And sunrise is 7.58am, sunset 4.46pm. Thank you very much. And for the first of the headline stories is Kate. Thank you.
Right. A Worcester Butchers that closed suddenly owes more than £1.5 million to firms across the country and internationally, the Worcester News can reveal. A spokesman for one of the firms owed more than £90,000 by D&M Meats has spoken of the frustration and anger, adding it was not expecting to see a penny recouped of the losses. D&M Meats shut its doors suddenly earlier this month with a sign on the door of the business premises in Venture Business Park put up saying, Regretfully, D&M Meats Limited has now gone into administration. This paper has now seen a creditors list revealing the extent of the company's troubles. The list, which says it is a correct and up-to-date um, version by January the 12th says the butchers owed £1,628,190.17 to a total of 60 firms. Henhouse Wholesale Limited is listed as one of the creditors owed £97,828. A spokesman for the Preston-based firm told a staff recently made the 260-mile round trip to Worcester to see if they could recoup losses. The spokesman said, We went because we were told there was a product there that had been left, but there was nothing there of quality. Our stock had all gone. It was a completely wasted trip. We would have been better of stay, staying put and traded. I've seen D&M Meats owe something like £1.7 million. I just want to know what happened to the firm to owe this amount. I'd be interested to know what happened before Christmas, but obviously we may never know that. I feel frustrated. To be honest, I can't get over it. Creditors won't get anything, I suspect. The highest amounts listed include 104,968 owed to South Pacific Meats Limited at, in Teddington, Tulling Meat Import in Rotterdam in the Netherlands, which is owed 95,000, and Hewitt Meats of Lauhall, Northern Ireland, owed 93,687. Firms in Worcestershire are also out of pocket. The list has Crown House Developments of Blackpool East, owed more than 26,000, and Clearaway of Droitwich and Bennett's Farm of Lower Wick, both owed more than £600. A reporter previously visited the shop at the business park in Weir Lane, but found it deserted and completely closed to the public. The butcher's website has been taken down, displaying a message, Maintenance Mode. This site is currently undergoing scheduled maintenance. Please check back soon. The firm's Facebook page has also been taken offline. The paper has repeatedly contacted insolvency firm Sales Smith & Co. The name the firm left with the note on the door, but they have had no response. It remains unclear how many staff may face redundancy. I found out what no guarantee is about. It's a virologist who fears we are not out of the woods as restrictions are lifted. This county virologist has said the lifting of Plan B measures is too soon, adding corona cases are still ridiculously high. And Professor Lawrence Young warned the pandemic is far from dis over, describing the chance of more variants now as likely. Professor Young said there is no guarantee infection levels will continue to fall like they have been. I think it would have been better to have left a few more weeks just to be absolutely sure 
and take the pressure off the NHS. Plan B was introduced in early December. Case rates then were half what they are now and there were something like 7,500 people in hospital. He continued, latest data shows there are 18,979 people in hospital. If you looked at all the data and took the science into account, you would not do what they are doing now. The way this is being messaged is, this is all over, luring people into a false sense of security. Professor Young said the levels of infection still being seen nationally, including in Worcestershire, are still ridiculously high. And dropping work from home and masks is inevitably going to result in more people being infected. Talk of moving into a period where we are going to learn to live with the virus and its endemic is nonsense at this stage, the University of Warwick professor said. We don't know how long immunity from booster jabs will last. If you let infections run rampant like this, you are running the risk of more people getting long COVID. I don't believe we should be in lockdown. We should be moving to a different phase but it should be done in a gradual way. Professor Young, who lives in Bromsgrove, said the comparisons people make between COVID and the flu were wrong, as coronavirus is still far worse. Even in terms of current death rates and hospitalisations, they are much much worse than you would expect from seasonal flu, Professor Young said. The hope is in time we will be able to treat it like flu, but it will take more than a year or two, I suspect. There is bound to be another variant, and there are no guarantees it could be more dangerous as Delta. It's possible, in fact, quite likely. Just because Omicron was milder than Delta doesn't mean the next variant won't be. The hope is the wall of immunity will help us. It's hard to predict. Professor Young said he believed the possible rebellion again against Boris Johnson's leadership was also a factor in why Plan B was being lifted now. A lot of this is about Tory backbenchers. It is a very dangerous game to play, he said. The government has not covered themselves in glory. The pandemic is difficult for any government, of course. But what they are doing now, for the sake of a few weeks and without a carefully planned approach like Scotland and Wales, is more about keeping the backbenchers happy than it is about the health of the country. Robin Walker, MP for Worcester, said, I recognise if you are a virologist or an epidemiologist, you always look at this from how we can control things. The government takes advice from scientists, but we also have to balance it with the public good good of people being able to go to work and to school. There will always be people who think we should be more cautious and those who think we should be more open and getting rid of restrictions. Plan B restrictions were necessary to slow the spread of Omicron and understand it better. We understand it now. The early hopes we had that it would become less severe have proven to be true. The MP added politics was not inferring in decisions I think that might be interfering in should be interfering in decisions being made to lift restrictions instead it being made on the evidence 
Mr Walker added it would be foolish to rule out restrictions returning in the future should the situation change. A road rage attacker spat on two women because the driver had gone the wrong way around a car park while looking for a car space. <clears throat> Elena Manton came head to head with two women and once the defendant had parked, opened their car door, swore at the driver and spat on the driver and passenger. The 28-year-old of Constantine Close Kempsey admitted two charges of assault beating against Christine, Christine Holden-Jones and Zoe Mapp in Malvern Retail Park in Roman Way on July the 5th when the, she appeared before magistrates in Worcester. Ralph Robbins-Landricum, prosecuting, said police attended the retail park following reports of a road rage attack and found the victims who had been shopping outside the card factory. The defendant met them coming the other way as they were turning into the same car parking row, ending up head-to-head -head in their vehicles. He added, after a brief exchange of words between the parties from within their vehicles, both parties have gone and parked in their separate parking bays. A few moments after that, the victims were sitting in their vehicle when Manton, now out of her vehicle, has approached one of the victims and started shouting and swearing at her whilst the victim was still in the car. During this altercation, Manton pulled open the victim's car door, shouted into the car at her and intentionally spat into the vehicle with Manton's saliva landing on both victims. Magistrates retired to consider a verdict in, in this case. When the bench returned, the chairman called the attack a nasty incident. Magistrates made a 12-month community order to include 160 hours of unpaid work, reduced from 240 hours to reflect credit for her early guilty plea. Manton was also ordered to pay £100 each in compensation to the two victims, £135 in costs and a victim surcharge of £95. The defendant offered to pay off the debt at a rate of £25 per month, with the first payment due in 28 days. All fines collection order was also made, giving the court extra powers to recover the money. A mum is making desperate, a desperate appeal to find a precious earring containing her son's ashes, saying she has lost part of the teenager. Becky O'Mara has thanked people for their support so far, as they have been supporting the family in the search for the priceless item. James was just 13 when he was diagnosed with an aggressive form of leukaemia, acute myeloid, at Worcestershire Royal Hospital in June 2017. He was transferred to Birmingham Children's Hospital but died after battling the disease for a week. James's mum, Becky, said her mum gave her the earrings with the ashes in it for her birthday last April, but after wearing them, out on, wearing them on a night out on Saturday, she realised that one had gone missing. Miss O'Mara said, My mum did it to help me remember James. 
I'd only worn them a couple of times for exactly this reason, that I didn't want to, something to happen and to lose them. I went out with my sister to the Goodrest pub between 6pm and midnight on Saturday. I woke one Sunday and it was then I realised that one of the earrings was missing. It is not the cost of them at all. It's like it's the sentimental value. It's like I've lost a piece of him and I'm heartbroken. After the earrings didn't turn up, after a search of Becky's sister's, Amanda Tan Tanner's house in Belmont Street, where she had stayed the night, Miss O'Mara said the family then tried the pub. Staff have searched the pub, but the earring hasn't turned up, the Droitwich resident said. We put an appeal out on Facebook and family and friends shared it. The response has been amazing. Hundreds of people sharing it and people offering to help look. We think it must have been lost on the walk to and from the pub in Belmont Street. My son had a metal detector. We are thinking of trying that to see if that will find it. Anyone who finds the earring or who can help with the search is asked to contact Becky O'Mara on her Facebook page. James' family have held various charity fundraisers in his honour over the years, including for Blood Cancer UK, the Children's Hospital Birmingham and the Liver Foundation UK. In 2018, the family were also presented with a plaque from Birmingham Children's Hospital after raising more than £6,000 for the charity. The headline, headline was Red Light City. You'll be glad to know it was about the brake lights of um, traffic, nothing else. <laughs> Drivers were caught in long queues of traffic for two days after temporary traffic lights were left up overnight on a main road in Worcester. The traffic chaos, which saw long waits on London Road, was blamed on a contractor running into unforeseen circumstances while digging up the road. School bus services were also heavily delayed. But there's now good news for drivers after BT Openreach took the decision to cancel work. Contractors said they were forced to cancel after being unable to complete the works. Temporary traffic lights placed on the junction with Seabright Avenue since Monday had been due to only operate until 3.30pm. But the contractors working to clear a blockage in a duct had to leave the temporary lights in place throughout the night. Traffic queues built up throughout the day and were made worse by a car crash on Whittington Road, which closed one lane of the dual carriageway. A car and a taxi minivan were involved in the crash on the road heading towards London Road. Cars were backed up to Whittington Island and towards the motorway roundabout. Worcestershire Highways said it was waiting for confirmation of what the unforeseen circumstances were. People driving in rush hour were also caught up in long, de long delays of up to 30 minutes along London Road. The bus group tweeted, Services using London Road 45-X50 subject to around 30-minute delays due to temporary lights at Seabright. A fire engine. Oh, no. Sorry. No. This is the final headline story. A partially disabled woman was robbed at a cash point by thieves who barged her out of the way after she typed in her pin. She now wants to warn other vulnerable people to be aware when they are taking out cash and use machines which are covered by CCTV. 
the woman who has multiple sclerosis stood up from her mobility scooter to withdraw money from the cash machine on Ambleside Drive, Warnden, when the three men barged her out of the way. She could only watch on as the mask-wearing gang emptied her account and then ran away. The 53-year-old woman, who asked to remain anonymous for fear of reprisals, said, It took seconds. I didn't see anything beforehand. I didn't lose a major amount of money, but it did upset me. I want to raise awareness to other people who are a bit more vulnerable about using cash points and being aware of their surroundings. I was busy using the cash point, so I didn't notice the three men. They were between 18 to late 20s and were masked up. It was dark and they were wearing dark coloured clothes. I think they are from outside the area. I know a lot of the lads from around here and they're very protective of me. The trio ran off, leaving the woman shaken but unhurt. The woman has reported the incident, which took place on the weekend of January the 8th, to police. It was terrible. They were all dressed in black and all wearing masks and it is pure speculation but I don't think they were from this area. I'm usually pretty spatially aware about what's going on around me but it was dark. I haven't let it stop me though. I'm partially disabled, I'm vulnerable but there are people who are a lot more vulnerable than I am who may not be able to just get on with it. They might not just target disabled people but young mothers or anyone who is distracted. She shared her story on the Next Door website and the community has rallied around her, for which she is very grateful for. However, she added she only shared her story to make sure other vulnerable people did not fall victim to the same thing. She advised people to look around before using a cash point and choose to use one in an area with good CCTV coverage and anyone with information should contact Crime Stoppers on 101. And that concludes the headline stories for this week and Kate is going to start now with the rest of the uh, main news. A major new medical training school in Worcester will help tackle chronic staff shortages in the NHS. That was the verdict of Professor Sandra Nicholson, who is heading up the medical school being built at the former Worcester News Building in Hilton Road. Construction work is ongoing at the former Barrows House, and is trans- which is being transformed into a new training centre for nurses and doctors. It is hoped when the facility is up and running, staff will go straight into the region's NHS. Professor Nicholson said excitement is building ahead of the, of the opening, which is scheduled for 2023. She said, it is exciting. I walk past it every day and see how the work is progressing. What is really special about Worcester is that it is a chance for healthcare professionals to work together and Barrow's House is going to be at that centre. The university has a fantastic record for healthcare and training doctors is the final piece of the puzzle. The idea for the new training centre is to provide health care for Worcestershire, Herefordshire and Gloucestershire, with the three counties suffering from a lack of staff. Initially, there will be a mix of overseas and local students, with plans to increase this in the future. 
Barrow's House was home to the Worcester News from 1965 until 2020, when it was bought by the university. Plans for the renovation, drawn up by Midlands-based Glancy Nichols Architects, include a state-of-the-art anatomy laboratory, a suite of GP simulation rooms and a range of general seminar and teaching rooms. There will also be offices, breakout spaces for group study and a cafe. Professor Nicholson said one of the advantages of a move away from traditional science labs and lecture theatres is that it will allow more collaborative learning between students and teaching staff. She added, part of the programme is about getting them discussing ideas rather than spoon-feeding them. So the social space will help them compare ideas with staff and other students. While training in Worcester, students will carry out the job learning in the region's health service with the aim of making Worcester a centre of medical training. Repair works to pavements in two Worcester residential streets will see them closed to through traffic for the best rest of the part of four weeks from today, Monday, January the 24th. Worcestershire County Council plans to close Cromwell Crescent and Livingstone Street in Battenhall from the junction with the A44 London Road to its junction with Foxwell Street. It's expected the work will take 26 days to carry out. Next month, in Warnham Villages, work to lay new ducting will mean the closure of Chedworth Drive from its junction with Cranham Drive to its junction with Rodborough Drive for about three weeks. Keir Group plans to start work on Friday, February the 11th. The following week, repairs to a water main next month by Seven Trent will see a residential street closed for about four days from St Valentine's Day. Beach Avenue will be closed from its junction with the A38 Droitwich Road to its junction with Beach Avenue North from Monday, February the 14th. At the same time, Seven Trent workers will also be busy in Elbury Park Road in Tolladine, meaning it will be closed from its junction with Tolladine Road to its junction with Kirkstone Drive. Work is due to begin on Monday, February 14th and is set to set last three days. A fire engine built in Worcester in the 1980s has found a new lease of life on the other side of the world. The vehicle was originally built in the old Carmichael Fire Factory in Gregory's Mill Street in Barbourne on behalf of the Cumbria Fire and Rescue Service. After service in Cumbria, it was used for fire and safety work at Chapel Cross Power Station and has since been decommissioned as a nuclear power station in south-west Scotland. Now, thanks to the work of an emergency services charity, the application is helping to save lives in Potray de los Funes, a village popular with tourists near the city of San Luis in Argentina. Stuart Brandrick, who used to work for Carmichael, says the fact that the fire engine is now having a third life in Argentina suggests it was built to last. At the time the vehicle was new, I was working for Carmichael, managing contracts and liaising with customers, he said. I can remember the batch of vehicles of which it was part going through the factory. It is based on a Volvo truck chassis 
with firefighting equipment and bodywork fitted by Carmichael. Carmichael Fire was one division of privately owned Carmichael Fire and Bulk Limited, with the other part of the business manufacturing tanker vehicles for the transport of bulk powders at a factory in Weir Lane, Lower Wick. The Weir Lane factory closed in 2018 when the company, then known as CSS Fire Vehicles, went into liquidation. The historic company had built the first fire engine for Worcester Fire Brigade in 1947. Mr Brandrick, who worked in the public sector after leaving Carmichael and is now retired, said he had very happy memories of working with a good bunch of people at Carmichael. The fire engine was donated by Chapel Cross Power Station to the International Fire and Rescue Association, a Scottish charity. Gary Johnston, a director of the charity and support coordinator for Argentina, said the appliance responded to the Lockerbie bombing. He added, Once we receive a donation such as a fire engine, we check and service the vehicle, equip it with as much equipment as possible and arrange documentation and shipping, which to South America can take about four to six weeks. A magical snack made famous by Disney's latest hit film, Ekanto, has been flying out of the oven at a popular city cafe. Customers at Francini's Café di Colombia in Angel Place have long been fans of the arepas and they serve up. They sell between two and three hundred of the traditional Colombian snack every month and have seen even more interest since the film was released. Café owner Francini Osorio said we have already had people come in and tell us they have seen them in the film and tried them here. I think we are the only place in Worcestershire where you can try them. My wife and my boy have watched it and I know it is about my country. To be honest, it has really made me happy as it tells a positive story about my country, which not many do, so it helps our reputation. It's great to be able to introduce people to our Colombian culture, which is what makes our café so unique. Characters in Encanto have all, all have special powers and Mum Julieta, Madrigals is to heal people with her food, especially arepas. Daughter and main character, Mirabel, tells her at one point, you just healed my hand with an arepa conquizzo. When we visited uh, Francini's uh, at lunchtime, there were already several of the bread-type snacks heating in the oven. The most popular version comes with grilled cheese served with prawns, avocado and sun-dried tomatoes. Mr Osorio's wife Sandra bakes the arepas from scratch and makes hundreds every month. They use simple ingredients, salt, water and flour or a special kind of corn flour. You can't really buy them from the supermarket, so my wife makes them. They are very unique here, same as our cafe. They are a a, a traditional breakfast dish in Colombia 
and you would usually have them with eggs and bacon. But really, you can have them at any time, much like a croissant. They date back to the tribes in the Amazon, who always used to eat corn as their main source of food. Even before the film came out, we had lots of people trying them, and they were really popular. And I will just add that Francini's menu is also in Braille. So for anyone who actually does read Braille, um, there is a, a cafe with a Braille menu, Francini's. Excellent idea, isn't it? Right, a plea has been made for people to send birthday cards to a lady turning 107. Ruth Thomas will reach her latest birthday on Thursday, February the 17th, having lived through the Blitz, Spanish flu and, of course, the Covid pandemic. Staff at the Lawns Nursing Home want to make the day extra special and are appealing for birthday cards from across Worcester and beyond. Manager Melanie Dawson said Ruth does like, like a little bit of a fuss. She is a local girl and ran the swimming pool at the Manor House in Kemsey. Lots of people from the local area will remember her from when, when her and her husband ran the swimming pool outside the lawns. She came to, to use to us in 2014 when she was coming up to 100 and even though these last two years of Covid have been happening, she has kept her smile. She has always been a happy lady and if you asked her the secret of a long life, she would say it was her positive outlook. Ruth is so busy to look after, is easy, sorry, so easy to look after and a bit of a stalwart. She's just an absolute darling and we think an awful lot of her. You don't live to 107 without having had an interesting life. You, we will celebrate her birthday in style, but we need as many cards as we can get. Ruth regularly has the Worcester News delivered and loves to keep up with what is going on. We will celebrate her birthday in style, but we need as many cards as we can get. Ruth has a daughter, Jill, in Portsmouth and a daughter-in-law, Lynn Thomas, who lives in Worcestershire. Birthday cards can be sent to Ruth Thomas, care of Lifestyle and Wellbeing Team, The Lawns Nursing Home, 33 Main Road, Kemsey, Worcester, WR53NF. A student nurse from Droitwich says seeing the effects of Covid firsthand convinced her to pursue a career in nursing. Natalie Shipley was taking a health care access course when the UK first went into lockdown and is now in the first year of an adult nursing degree at the University of Worcester. And the mother of one is not alone. Figures from UCAS show a record of 28,815 students in England selected a nursing course in 2021, with 61% of applicants saying they were inspired by the pandemic. Applications to study nursing in Worcestershire increased by 45%. Natalie, who had worked in catering management, was in the first year of an access course at Heart of Worcestershire College when Covid hit in March 2020. She volunteered at Worcestershire Royal Hospital, delivering personal belongings brought in for patients from relatives who weren't allowed to visit. It was what she experienced at this time that solidified her path into nursing. 
The 31-year-old said a lot of the elderly people I spoke to had been with their partners for a long time and had barely been away from them. It was difficult for them. I'd tell them to look at a certain window just so they could see their face. It made just a difference. It made me realise this was something I wanted to do. It's not just giving people the care they need, such as administering medications or dressing a wound, but also just listening to them and being their advocate. The University of Worcester's Vice-Chancellor and Chief Executive, Professor David Green, said, Nursing is an outstanding profession that is rewarding, fulfilling and deeply socially valuable. The devastating global pandemic pandemic has really shone a light on the bravery, skills and value of our outstanding health professionals. It is a real tribute to the country's young people that so many are now inspired to apply to become nurses, midwives, doctors, occupational therapists, physiotherapists and health professionals of all kinds. He continued, these roles are vital for society to flourish and for individuals to thrive. The university received the largest allocation of additional health education places in the country in July 2020, including 240 additional student nursing places to help support the NHFs. This led to Worcester welcoming its largest first-year group of nursing students this year. A group of teenagers rammed a shopping trolley into forcing them to lock themselves in. The youngsters, thought to be about 15, rammed the trolley against the side of St Peter's Village Hall before shouting abuse and bursting into the class screaming. Worcester mum Irene Surridge, who runs the class, said she was forced to lock the hall doors to prevent the youngsters from interrupting the class. She said, I was a bit embarrassed because I was teaching a fitness class and I couldn't really stop the class to go out and investigate. My son's only 11. There was a massive bang outside and Max went out to have a look and he said, Mum, they're hitting the shopping trolley against the side of the building. And then they started banging on the windows, but quite hard. So we pulled the blinds down. The group were heard shouting offensive comments about the size and fitness of the class's attendees. They continued to bang, she said. When they didn't get a reaction, they burst through the village hall, whacked open my class doors and then they ran back out again, screaming. I didn't get a look at them. My son thinks they were about 15. In the end, I had to pause my class and go and physically lock the front door to keep them from coming in. The antisocial behaviour began at around 7.20pm on Wednesday and went on for around 25 minutes. She added, I have taught there for several years and over the years we've had it again and again. When you're trying to teach a fitness class, it's really hard. I'm not intimidated by it, but some people would be. It can be frightening walking out there if you're alone and a woman, for example. It's such a lovely area, it's a lovely place. We've been in St Peter's for 11 years and it's just the odd group that terrorise people. Chairman of St Peter's Village Hall Association, Roger Knight, said, I've reported it 
um, the matter to the police. We do have CCTV, so I've offered that to the police as well. It's disappointing that this antisocial behaviour has occurred. We haven't experienced such things for quite a while here in St Peter's. The city is being asked by the council whether it should change the number of elections it holds. Worcester City Council is asking for uh, the public for its thoughts on whether it should continue holding yearly elections or switch to holding one every four years. City Council elections are currently held three years out of every four with a third of its councillors elected each year. Worcestershire County Council usually hold its elections in every off year. For example, in the last round of non-Covid hit elections, elections for a place on the City Council were held in 2016, 18 and 19, with County Council elections held in 2017. City councillors are now set to consider whether to move to holding a single election once every four years, with all seats being elected at the same time. A three-week public consultation has been launched via the City Council's website to give the public the chance to have their say on the possible changes. The deadline to respond is 5pm on Sunday, February 13th. The Council is considering changing its electoral cycle ahead of a review by the Independent Boundary Commission, which will look at changing the number of city councillors and the electoral ward boundaries. The Boundary Commission is a national body which reviews all local councils on a periodic basis to make sure they have an appropriate number of electoral wards and number of councillors for the number of residents. The results of the consultation will be discussed when the Council next meets in full on February 22nd to decide whether to change its electoral cycle. The City Council is under no obligation to make a change, but any decision that councillors make will be factored into the Boundary Commission's review, which will start later this year. Unfortunately, there's no telephone number, but to have your say... Online, you can visit worcester.gov.uk forward slash voiceit, V-O-I-C-E-I-T. People living in St John's have been showering their local post office with praise for their tireless work shown throughout the pandemic. Grateful customers took to social media to thank St John's post office, saying that staff members were helpful, friendly and award-worthy. One customer, Lisa O'Grady of Star Lane, said St John's is a great place to live as a friendly community and everything you need is very near. The post office is a vibrant part of it, providing a wide-ranging service and well-stocked shop. People come from miles around, so it is often busy, but the staff are always helpful, cheery and efficient. It is a pleasure to visit and we are all very grateful to Anne and Colin and their lovely staff. Charles and Jean Morris, also of Star Lane, said they have fantastic facilities and the staff are such lovely people. Throughout the pandemic, they worked tirelessly with short staff but managed to keep going the whole time. We are very lucky to have them in our area.
The post office is owned by husband and wife Colin and Anne Fitzgerald, where Colin manages the post office and Anne manages the shop. Anne said, we have been seeing all of the lovely comments online and want to thank everyone. We had no idea any of those lovely comments were coming, so it was lovely for us to see. We would not be able to run as well as we do without the fantastic staff that we work with. We are a major post office for Worcester, but we always wanted to have a small village post office to better serve our customers. The post office handles all major services for St John's and is open from Monday to Saturday. St John's City Councillor Richard Uddall described the post office as a lifeline. He says they work miracles in there and go above and beyond for their customers. They are valued members of the community and are appreciated by many local residents. Anne and Colin have wonderful personalities and their dedication shines through. During the lockdowns of the past two years, they remained open and continued to serve the local community. I know a large number of local residents appreciated their efforts and support through what was very, very difficult for many at a a really difficult time. A primary school in Worcester has welcomed a well-being puppy. Oldbury Park Primary School has brought in a 15-week-old beagle, Charlie, to support pupils and staff providing comfort, especially the more vulnerable children. Principal Lee Card said, There's a timetable of children who Charlie is mapped out to work against, and this ranges from children who has challenges in their recent lives to children who maybe find mainstream schooling tricky at times and need some support and time out of class. Our pastoral team here have pieced together their timetable and incorporated Charlie from the outset. Only now and then as he's only a puppy and we don't want to overwhelm him. But his sheer presence in the school has had a wonderful impact already. I've very much said to the whole school that he is a part of our family now at this school and I say that in assembly that he is your family pet at this school as much as he is my family pet when we go home in the evening. Our school's values are really simple and they are to be kind, be safe and be respectful. Having a dog in the school helps the pupils to practice all of those three values in different ways. Mr Card explained that he has heard the children talking about being quiet so they walk past his office so that they don't upset Charlie. He added there's a genuine, authentic reason for demonstrating these values now and that is really important to me. Mr Card lets pupils walk Charlie around the site at lunches as well as playing with him in separate rooms in separate rooms or the school gardens with supervision to boost their mood and well-being. Theresa Marks, EYFS stroke KSI, lead at Oldbrook Park, said, What an amazing new member of our school. The excitement from the children every time they see him is contagious. We all find ourselves talking in silly soft voices, telling him how gorgeous he is. Year 4 teacher Gaynor Screen said his presence increases everyone's well-being, especially the children. They are gaining increased confidence levels and improved communication skills. 
Sharon McPhee, pastoral lead at the school, said the difference that Charlie has made in the whole school, not just to the children, has been immense. When the children see him or walk him, it fills me with such warmth seeing their nurturing qualities shine through. A disgraced West Mercia officer used police systems three times to conduct private searches on people he knew, Worcester News can reveal. Simon Albert, a former constable of over 14 years, was barred from the force after being found guilty of gross misconduct during a hearing last week. A previous statement released by police said the panel, led by an independent, legally qualified chair, heard how Albert conducted searches on police systems without a legitimate policing purpose. However, no further detail on what Albert had searched or how many times he had misused the system was released at the time. West Mercia Police has confirmed the 49-year-old, who mostly served at Withall and Rubery, misused the database for private searches on people he knew as many as three times. The searches were made between August 2019 and January 2020, and police say no more information was passed on to any third parties. As such, they found the breach was so serious it amounted to gross misconduct and all but would have been dismissed without notice had he not already resigned. He has also been added to the College of Policing Bard list, blocking him from joining any other UK force. A spokesman for West Mercia Police said, The misconduct hearing heard that Simon Albert had carried out three searches of people that were known to him on the force systems. The information accessed was not shared to any third parties. And now we'll have a few sports items. And I'm starting uh, with cricket, which for the UK is a bit out of um, season. But Worcestershire's Moeen Ali was named Player of the Match as he guided England to T20 victory over the West Indies in the second of the five-match series at the Barbados-Kensington Oval. Oh, we were all in Barbados. Moeen was presented with his award after scoring 31 runs from 21 balls with the bat and recorded format best figures of 3 for 24 with the ball, as England withstood a late fight back from their hosts to level the series one all. Having fallen 1-0 down after the first match, England needed a response, and the Worcestershire all-rounder scored 31 runs from 24 balls as England set their hosts 172 to win. They were propelled by Jason Roy, taking 24 off Fabian Allen's 11th over, as 107 runs came in the second half of the innings. Roy made 45, adding 61 with Moeen Ali, while Chris Jordan once again shone on the island of his birth with a cameo of 27. The West Indies then crumbled from 47 for 2, to 65 for 7 in pursuit of the 172 in their innings before a remarkable last over saw Akil Hussain hit Saguib Mahmood 
for 28 runs, including three sixes off the last three balls meant they fell just a run short. After the game, the all-rounder admitted it got a little too nervy at the end. Obviously, the game was done with three balls to go, but with Shepherd still in and the way it went down, it never quite felt like we were over the line till the last ball, Moeen said. Even though they were six or seven down for not many runs, they were never quite out of the game. They're such a dangerous team. They have so much talent, so much power. The fact they bat all the way down to number 10 makes them extremely dangerous. For them to lose by one run, it's actually quite scary. Their batting lineup is very scary. We're glad to get the win, but we could do a lot of things better. It is a lesson for the guys. We know we haven't even played that well there and we still won the game. We know we can play better and they know that they really put us under pressure here, particularly at the end, but for most of the game we dominated. They can take a lot of positives and confidence from this, but we did win the game so they will be very wary that we are going to try to perform better. I think it's going to be a very tight series. It was a day of shocks at Worcester Warriors on Tuesday as the club revealed that head coach Jonathan Thomas had departed six ways and led rugby consultant Steve Diamond has taken over. Diamond, who joined the club two months ago, will take the role of director of rugby at the end of the season when Alan Solomon retires from coaching. But with Thomas leaving, Diamond will now run the side for the remainder of the 2021-22 campaign before he takes the reins fully ahead of 22-23. It comes as little surprise to most that Solomons will step down and Diamond will take his place, but lots were shocked by Thomas's abrupt departure. This was his first full season as head coach and they are unbeaten in six of their last 11 games in all competitions, so it begs the question, who made the decision? There was, a spe- there was speculation on social media that perhaps Thomas left because he wanted the director of re- rugby role, but weeks ago the Welshman specified he had no ambitions of being anything but a head coach at this early stage of his coaching career. So did it not work out with Diamond? The former Sail Sharks boss would not reveal whether it was Thomas's decision or not to leave. I can't really speak about it, he said. It was a decision made by the board and all I can say is that I have been given the reins going forward and hopefully I will continue the good work Jonathan Thomas did here. The club announced the news at lunchtime on Tuesday, in which a statement read, Jonathan has given his all to the club. We appreciate everything he's done in his time at Warriors, both as a player and a coach, and we wish him all the very best in his future ventures. Thomas also took to Twitter to say, Nothing but big love for the players, coaches, support staff and supporters at Worcester Warriors. This team is ready to take off over the next 12 months. Awesome young players coming through and I've really enjoyed putting some good foundations in place with the Warriors family. Diamond also praised Thomas for what he had created and now he hopes to build on that at the start of his reign. Timing is never good but we have to look at the positives that were created at the pre- of the previous regime and build on that, he added. Hopefully we can implement that with some recruitment 
in one or two areas going forward. Worcester is a hotbed of rugby with a fantastic core group of supporters. We want to grow that supporter base and give the city, county and region a successful and sustainable premiership club that everyone can be proud of. Diamond, who played more than 350 games for sale in a career that spanned the amateur and professional areas, eras, has a proven track record as a coach with Sale Saracens and the Russian national team. He rejoined Sale in 2011, initially as Director of Sport, before being appointed Director of Rugby the following year. Sale won the Premiership Rugby Club, Rugby Cup in 2019-20 in Diamond's last full season in charge at the AJ Bell Stadium and they also qualified for the Heineken Champions Cup five times. And the new man in charge believes there is no reason why Worcester cannot be just as successful as his previous club. I think there's a lot of good people and players here and the facilities are excellent, added Diamond. I bring a different edge from what previous coaches have had. I'm a little more abrasive. I have a different outlook of how we should play and I think we have the resources here to do that. I spent two months advising and made some recommendations and they now have been implemented. Worcester Warriors gave themselves the best chance of qualifying for the European Challenge Cup knockout stages as they ended their long run without an away win with a five-try victory over Italian side Zebra. Warriors knew they had to win with a bonus point to stand any chance of progressing from Pool A and they did just that as tries from Tom Howe and Ted Hill after the break added to Niall Annette's double and Billy Searle's score in the first half. Worcester now sits second in the pool on nine points but have played all four games and will have to wait and watch the final round of matches to see whether their European adventure will continue. Warriors need Barretts to not get anything from their final group game with Toulon to progress. But even if they fail to progress, at least Worcester managed to end a 14-month run without an away win in any competition. It was the perfect start to the game as Hooker Annette opened the scoring from a line-out catch and drive and went over again 13 minutes later before Zebra eventually turned their pressure into points with a try from South African centre Eric Cronje. Searle responded by unleashing Clegg with a perfectly timed pass, then arriving in support to dot down and convert. But Zebra were back within a try when wing Giovanni di Onofrio nipped in for a converted try just before the break. Warriors' pragmatic approach in the second half denied Zebra the opportunity to apply more pressure while Howe rounded off a sustained attack with a try in the corner that Searle converted from the touchline for the all-important bonus point try. Captain Hill came on as a second-half substitute and his battering ram effort saw him cross for the fifth try of the afternoon and Searle's penalty made the game safe at 36-19. to 19. But Zebra finished strongly with a re- replacement wing, Jacobo Trula and Enrico Lucin, each scoring a try to help them to a bonus point and to ensure they did not finish the group pointless. 
And this is another warrior's um, story <laughs> and about the same match, um, but probably um, some, uh, throwing a different light on it as well. Um, it is a case of everything very much still on for Worcester Warriors this season, according to head coach Jonathan Thomas. Worcester ended a 16-month run without an away win in any competition last weekend when they secured a bonus point victory against Italian side Zebra in their final pool game in the European Challenge Cup. The five-point victory means Worcester are in with a shout of making the knockout stages but still have to wait until the final round of games in April to learn their fate. Warriors now go into a seven-game block of fixtures in the Gallagher Premiership and Thomas believes there are plenty of reasons to be excited ahead of the coming weeks. We have a tough block of league fixtures to come now, but it should be really exciting as a couple of weeks. We are still on for a semi-final place in the Premiership Cup and we have done what we can to hopefully get a round of 16 tie in Europe. And then, obviously, we want to be playing Champions Cup rugby. So finishing in the top eight in the Premiership, and we are still on for that. We have a fair new injured key men coming back for us now, so we are in a good place. Worcester will no doubt take confidence from ending that winless streak away from six ways last weekend, but it was a game that saw plenty of academy players and homegrown individuals impress. I am absolutely chuffed for the players, first and foremost, added Thomas. I think there was, there were 11 academy homegrown players involved and it's always a tough game to come and play in Italy. Zebra came back into it in the middle third, but our fitness looked strong and there were some great defensive sets in there. It's a young team and really, we're really proud of the way they played and the way they managed the game. Hopefully that will be enough for us to get into the round of 16 in April. We will have to wait and see. Worcester historically as a club don't win on the road much, but we have been tough to beat away from home this season um, and have been unlucky not to come away with wins. It's a really big result for us to come away from home to Italy and bring back all five points. Warriors are back to six ways this Saturday when they host Northampton Saints in the Gallagher Premiership, which kicks off at 3pm. And that concludes our sports slot. Now we're going to have um, a quick round with some very short, uh, snappy news items. And I will start with an item about fire safety. West Midlands Fire Service has shared safety tips to help people keep homes safe from fires. The organisation said, as well as testing your smoke alarms, this hashtag test it Tuesday, take some time to safety check your sockets and extensions to make sure they aren't overloaded. Firefighters advise having working smoke alarms fitted on every level of a home and testing them at least once a week. They also suggest vacuuming to remove dust from the sensor every six months and changing the battery every year. 
Worcester Cathedral is holding a series of lunchtime recitals over the next month. These will begin at the end of January, well, actually started today, and they will take place over the next four Thursdays. So sadly today uh, we've missed, but on February the 3rd, the Choral Scholars of Worcester Cathedral will be performing. On February the 10th, Vanessa Gunter will be playing the flute and on the final week, February the 17th, and Psalms from the King's School, Worcester, will perform. Admission is free, with donations welcomed by Worcester Cathedral as a retiring collection. Police are investigating an altercation outside a Droitwich pub in which a man suffered serious injuries to his face. The incident happened outside the Westcroft Arms in Droitwich on Friday night, the 21st. A spokesman for West Mercia Police said officers were called to reports of an altercation outside the Westcroft Arms in Droitwich on Friday at around 7pm. When we arrived at the scene, we found a man with serious face injuries. He was later taken to hospital for treatment. Anyone with information can call police on 101, quoting incident number 539I of January 21st. The landlord of the pub declined to comment. Opera Worcester are looking for new singers to join their summer production of The Merry Widow. This production will celebrate the Society's 70th year and it promises to be a glorious show. Chairman... Caroline Corsier said, This light-hearted operetta is filled with lovely melodies. There are lots of roles, but also terrific chorus numbers and set pieces. We want to use the show to welcome new members and also hope that after the last two years, when we haven't been able to get together, some of our long-standing members will join us again for what promises to be a very special production and a return to the stage for society. We are holding open auditions for named roles on Sunday, January the 30th, but for anyone who just wants to enjoy a great sing in the chorus or simply to find out more about it, please just come along to our first rehearsal on Monday, January the 31st at St Mark's Church Hall, Bath Road, Worcester, at 7.30pm. We are a friendly society and we would welcome non-acting and singing members to work backstage or help with wardrobe and props, publicity or front of house. Transplanted to the 1930s, this production of The Merry Widow has been reimagined by professional director Anthony Ravenhall and set in the nightclub Maxims where all the action will take place. Musical direction is by Wilhelm Toynmissen, sorry, I don't know whether I pronounced that right, and the soloists and chorus will be accompanied by a string quartet. Anyone interested in auditioning or finding out more about the production should contact the chairman at Opera Worcester UK for details. A taxi crashed into traffic lights on Forgate Street on Saturday the 22nd in the evening. Firefighters and paramedics went to the street at 6.30pm. It is unknown if any injuries were sustained by the taxi driver. No other vehicles were involved in the collision. Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service said it was joined by West Midlands Ambulance Service to help at the scene. Also, there were workers from the Worcestershire County Council Highways and Travel Team to make the traffic lights safe. 
and this is uh, from the bishop. The Worcester News reported last week that I had waded, this is the bishop speaking, that I had waded into politics again. The reference was to comments on Twitter relating to integrity in public life. There are those who protest that politics and religion do not mix. I disagree. One of my favourite posters is of Archbishop Desmond Tutu showing him holding a Bible and sporting his inimitable big smile. The caption underneath reads, When people say that politics and religion don't mix, I wonder which Bible it is that they're reading. As is well known, Archbishop Tutu was famously very much involved in politics. I thank God that he was and give thanks for his tireless fight for justice. Politics is literally about the welfare of the city and that is far too important a matter to be left to politicians. It is the responsibility of us all. I don't think that church leaders should be party politicians but there is a great deal of mention of matters which might be construed to be political in the Bible. Jesus talked much more about money than he did about sex. People of faith need to speak up for truth, justice and right, as did Desmond Tutu. As a member of the House of Lords, I am obliged to be involved in politics. Last Monday, I was in Parliament and in a series of votes sought to protect the right to protest, which it seems to me is a fundamental one in a democratic society. It is authoritarian, it's authoritarian regimes that crack down on protesting and I do not want our society to move in that direction. It's just over a hundred years since the suffragette movement enabled women to have the vote. The campaign they waged involved much protesting of a sort that would have become illegal under the legislation considered last week. The House of Lords voted to protect our freedoms by rejecting the more drastic curbs that were proposed. Long may such freedoms last. Students at a Worcester school have been testing out new pieces of assistive technology. Optilec showcased some of its new products to help people with visual impairments at New College Worcester a residential school and college for blind and partially sighted young people last week. The students tested a handful of low-vision magnification products and gave their first impressions. Many NCW students are lovers of technology. As part of the NCW curriculum, they learn how to use a range of different speech software. Optilex OrCam Read takes a photograph of a piece of text and reads it back to the user while the tablet acts as a magnifier. St Paul's Church is holding a weekly mother and baby group. The group is named Little Oaks Babies Group and takes place every Friday during the school term and it runs from 11 until 1pm. Little Oaks Babies Group is aimed at first-time mums and their babies who are under one year old. It costs £2 to attend, which includes coffee and cake for the mums. The next one of these will take place on Friday, January the 28th. Now, something very visual. There will be a chance for people to pop on a pair of headphones and throw some shapes on top of a city centre car park. The silent disco will take place on the top floor of Crown Gate Car Park as part of Light Night. 
People will be able to enjoy a dance party on top of the shopping centre car park, which has incredible views of the city. Light Night Worcester returns on February the 23rd and 24th, with events taking place from 6 until 9.30pm. Over the two days, people can enjoy free, immersive and interactive sculptures and intriguing and playful performances organised by the Arches Festival's team. Other events include submergence, an immersive walkthrough experience by Squid Soup at the Old Palace, and Luma, an eight-metre-long interactive robot created by air giants in the Guildhall. There will also be walkabout performances by Disco Heads and Glow Bros. Festival's director, David Edmonds, said, I'm really excited for Light Night 2022 as it presents the work of yet more amazing high-quality artists yet again in a way that is playful and surprising, creating yet further moments of fun and joy for people to experience something new once again in the city as we firmly establish Light Night as a key event in the city's calendar. People over 18 can volunteer also by contacting Katie Rook, Festival's Volunteer Manager, on volunteers at sevenarts.org.uk. A clothing exchange is being held at Worcester Community Centre next month. Lipford Hub in Anchorage Green, Warnden Villages is the venue for the clothing exchange being held on Tuesday, February the 1st. The exchange gives people the chance to swap clothes that children have grown out of with other quality clothes, also outgrown by somebody else. The scheme works by receiving credits for each item donated that can then be used to exchange for other items. Organisers stress items must be clean and of good quality. For more details, call 01905 616 841. Pat Wormall's motto is Don't let age define you and she certainly lives up to that. After finally deciding to give up skiing at the age of 85 she took up her her next challenge writing a children's book and five years later she has finished the product Popsy Gets Lost. Pat, who lives in Red Hill is an accomplished artist who has sold her paintings from Worcester to Switzerland and even the USA. She has illustrated her book with beautiful paintings which serve to bring the delightful story of a little girl and her beloved doll, Popsy, to life. Pat said, I wanted to write something that I could give to my numerous great-grandchildren. I feel so blessed to be lucid and fit enough to get around still at the age of 90. Pat was happily married for 66 years to renowned Swiss hairdresser John Wormel, who sadly passed away in May last year. She says she was influenced by reading Moving Beyond by Fleur Lessink and continues to make the most of her creative talents. Car thieves stole a Mazda which was parked on the road in Droitwich. The Red Mazda 6 was from Ombersley Road. Between 5.30pm on Thursday and 11am on Friday, a West Mercia police spokesman said 
We're keen to hear from anyone who may have any information relating to the theft of the vehicle or that may have been in the area around the time of the incident and heard or seen anything suspicious. We are also encouraging the community to call us on 101 if they see anyone acting suspiciously around a vehicle. Anyone with information should use the, the online Tell Us About form via West Mercia Police UK, quoting incident reference 00192102022. And I think this week's final story <clears throat> will be about work starting uh, on a new bridge. Works to prepare for the construction of a new walking and cycling bridge in Worcester are set to get underway next week. The works will start during the week beginning January 31st to remove a number of trees on the western end of Gullivelt Park where Keypax Bridge will be built. The works are taking place in connection with Keypax Bridge which will see the construction of a new crossing over the River Severn. The bridge will help to provide improved cycle and pedestrian connectivity to the north of Worcester. Councillor Alan Amos, Worcestershire County Council Cabinet Member with responsibility for highways and transport, said these works need to be carried out ahead of the main construction contract being awarded later this year. The works are in accordance with the planning approval given for Keypax Bridge on September 29, 2021 and replacement trees will be planted later on in the programme. Obviously, our contractor will remove as little vegetation as possible and they are carrying out the work now to avoid the bird nesting season. The new bridge is intended to build on the existing Sabrina Bridge and Diglis Bridge to help for walking and cycling over the Severn. It will be used to get between Gullivelt Park and Keypax. Councillor Mark Bayliss, leader of Worcester City Council, said the start of work to prepare for the building of the Keypax Bridge is an exciting moment. The bridge will bring a major boost for the health and well-being of people who live or work in Worcester, encouraging many more to walk and cycle around our beautiful city. Combined with the Diglis and Sabrina Bridges, the Keypax Bridge will create an attractive and appealing figure-of-eight route for enjoying Worcester's riverside. More information is available on the County Council website at www.worcester-gov.uk forward slash keypacksbridge. And we have run out of time. So it just remains for me, Elizabeth Hill, to thank Kate Hudman, Janet Goodwin and Sue Perry, my fellow readers, and Alex Gwynne for kindly stepping into the breach. And we wish Barry a swift recovery and the um, thought for the day and the obituaries will follow the final music so signing off and hope you all have a good week bye 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 so here are the uh, deaths which have been announced in the last week Gerald Amos known as Babsy passed away on December 24th his funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium, or will have done, on Wednesday the 26th, that was um, yesterday. Um, family flowers, donations for air ambulance, but there's no funeral director there.
Uh, this will already all have taken place. Edith Cole, age 93, passed away the 8th of January um, at Haven Residential Home in Droitwich. Her funeral service will have taken place on the 28th of January and it was donations for Alzheimer's research, but again, no funeral director. Maureen Joyce Waring passed away the 5th of January. Her funeral service will be taking place at Worcester Crematorium on Monday 31st of January at 3.15pm. Donations for the RNRLNI. Right. Uh, Wendy Giles passed away on the 4th of January. Her funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 1st of February at 10am. Uh, donations to be shared between St Richard's Hospice and MND and can be placed in the collection box or sent to Cooperative Funeral Care 01905 22137 Brenda May Doe, known as May, passed away the 3rd of January. Funeral will be at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 2nd of February at 2.30pm. Donations if desired to Kidney Care UK. No funeral director mentioned there. Floretta Napper, known as Madge, passed away peacefully on the 9th of January. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday 2nd of February at 12.15pm. Donations for the RNIB can be left on the collection plate or sent to EJ Gummery and Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Graham David Moore, known as Silver Fox, uh, passed away on the 15th of January. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium Friday the 4th of February at 1.45pm. Donations for Cancer Research UK can be left on the plate or sent to EJ Gummery and Son. Details as before. Pearl Margaret Masters passed away the 20th of January. Funeral service at the Vale Crematorium on Tuesday the 8th of February at 1pm. Donations, if desired, for Acorns Children's Hospice Trust can be sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services and their telephone is 01905 Eileen Augusta Bissaker passed away on the 16th of January. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium at 10am on February the 9th. Uh, donations for St Richard's Hospice. No funeral director there. Barbara Ruth Price passed away the 9th of January. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 9th of February at 11.30am. Uh, donations for the Royal British Legion or Donkey Sanctuary at Sidmouth. Inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors. Telephone 01905-887-864 and all of those are family flowers only with donations if desired. Our thoughts and prayers go to all of those who have lost loved ones recently. 
and the thought for the week is taken from the book of Psalms, Psalm 52, verses 8 and 9. I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever. I will praise you forever for what you have done. In your name will I hope, for your name is good. I will praise you in the presence of your saints.